This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors, hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Christian Book Blurb. I'm your host, Matt McClary. This week we are joined by the author Chris Rogers. He does all sorts of other stuff as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a moment. And we're going to be talking about two new books that Chris um, has just got out in the marketplace. Um, They're quite different and we'll be finding more out about those as well. So, let's start off by welcoming Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome. I'm, I'm so pleased to invite you into my home. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to um, be part of the Christian Book Club podcast. It's really great to be with you. I know you, you have a podcast of your own, don't you? Mm. What is it called and where can people find it? Yeah, it's Making Disciples with Chris Rogers. It used to be called just Making Disciples, but then there's another Making Disciples podcast and people would get lost and uh-huh. message me saying, you, you, you seem to talk about many many American topics. <laughs> oh, not, no. so we renamed it Making Disciples with Chris Rogers. Yeah, it's been going out for three years now, which is wow. just so much fun. We didn't, when we started it, it never i never expected it to go on for so long but yeah it's just grown and grown and grown each year uh and it's just really fun it's lovely isn't it when you 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 make a podcast matt and then people start contacting you and, and giving you feedback mm, and yeah and things and um it's really good. yeah and you know it's only recently we've started getting fan mail and Oh, so I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's brilliant. You've got two books um, that are brand new. You've got loads of other books as well. I must admit, I have read one of your um, previous books just recently, um, The What If We Knew What God Knew About Us, um, yeah. which is a fantastic book all about um, Christian identity. What is our new identity in Christ and how that is powerful when we get hold of that and that. That's a really great book. But that's not the one we're talking about today. <laughs> you have written yeah. loads of other books that people could check out. But I want to focus in on the two new ones. So um, let's start with um, the Bible book by book. Let's start with that one. Yeah. So you've got this uh, new book out called The Bible Book by Book. Um, could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. It's it's actually an updated edition. So this is a second rerun. We printed it originally mm. 10 years ago. And it all came out of the fact that when I was at theological college, my uh, lecturer said to me, Chris, you're going to fail this course because you've just never read the Old Testament. And I'd, I'd really not been a Christian very long and I'd only ever read the New Testament. So to be fair, I was going to fail the theological course. So I, I spent every Wednesday afternoon with my tutor learning Greek and Hebrew, learning the scriptures. He was a Messianic Jew, so he taught me the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. And actually what it did for me was really unlock the scriptures to to see these uh, narratives woven throughout them that I totally missed and really mm. hadn't seen. And then I became a youth worker and then I uh, was getting ordained and I just got all this desire to share what I'd learned about the scriptures. And I was realizing that so many small group leaders, youth workers, uh, people who are lay preachers, maybe 
um, who you know, people who are preaching for the first time, they're looking for some help in crafting sermons, or they're looking for some help for crafting Bible studies, or they're just looking to learn more about the Bible themselves. So what mm. we do is we walk through the entire Bible, like the title says, book by book, looking mm. at who wrote it, when it was written. Uh, when was it really written or when do we think it was written? Uh, mm-hmm. We look at location. Uh, what do we know about where this story is situated? What might we learn about this book of the Bible from where it was situated? Because mm-hmm. different Bible books were written in different regions, so they had different yeah. behaviors and traditions. And, and then we essentially pull out some key bits from it and uh, say, look, if you read the Bible in location, you will spot this, you'll notice this. So a good example, you know, when Jesus says, with faith the size of a mustard seed, uh, you can move a mountain. Well, where we think Jesus said that in Jerusalem was quite a high location. If you looked out uh, southeast, you would see a mountain and it was uh, built by Herod as his palace. And it was his getaway, it was his military base. And he'd built a mountain in the middle of nowhere uh, as a defense mechanism if the Jews turned against him. It was called the Heronian. So when Jesus says, with faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain, right there in view was a mountain that, that had been moved by a human being, uh, piece by piece. So mm-hmm. what do we now understand about that passage? Because we know something about the location. So the book is really exploring uh, location and Jewish history. Uh, and what that might do for us if we understood the Bible from their perspective rather than a Western perspective. Mm, mm. Mm, that sounds really good. When you've ordered the chapters, I imagine each chapter deals with one of the books of the Bible. And yep. have you ordered them in the same way that it's ordered in a, a, like a normal Bible we'd pick up? Yeah. Or have you tried to put it sort of in timeline order? Because I know there's a difference there because... The, the Bibles we have are like a library, aren't they? So all the prophecy books are in the same place and all the history books are in the same place. Um, but actually, when you look at the overarching timeline, while well, some of those prophets were talking whilst, you know, some other historical things were taking place or simultaneously. Mm. So, you know, how have you structured that? Mm. Yeah, we, we actually kept it to the structure of Scripture. And the reason for it is this. It's actually incredibly... Uh, um, some people would find great offense if you try to do what you've just said. Mm-hmm. So in reality, the book of Genesis and Exodus weren't written as the first books of the Bible. They were mm. not even written. Uh, um, they were actually written in, in the season where God's people uh, were in exile in Babylon. And they were written to, to teach the Jewish people how they got in this mess yet again. And we actually believe that Exodus was probably written about seven to six to 500 years before Jesus. Maybe the stories were around, well, the, the stories were definitely around earlier than that. But were crafted, it was actually crafted quite late. And that really concerns some readers because they go, well, hang on, I thought Moses wrote this Bible. Well, wrote the book of Exodus. Well, he can't have done friends. He dies at the end of it. Like In the Torah, he's dead. So he can't be Moses. So actually, there's some, some things about reshaping and shifting the stories mm-hmm. around that people mm-hmm. get quite, they get the knickers in a twist. So it's easier just to stay <laughs> As it is, but it's not that we yeah. hide from from that, uh, because we 
um, we kind of allude to some of these things. So actually in the book, we say that Genesis was written about 1400 years before Jesus. The reality is, it, it, what do we mean by written? Um, because the tradition of scripture was that it was verbally written and later it was written on parchment. So what do we even mean by writing it down? So uh, there's so many um, things that people could get concerned about. So, yeah. no, we stuck to the traditional okay. um, shape. It also means if you are somebody that doesn't know much about Scripture, you know where to find where to look uh, yeah. some of those minor prophets. You know where to head for them. But what we do in the book, when we talk about the location, we don't just talk about the location in terms of the soil under its feet, but also where does it locate itself in the story of God? So we actually mm. we help like locate these um, minor prophets, particularly where they would fit in the timeline. Mm. And also, um, just just by having a look at the book, it looks quite visual as well. It's not just a whole bunch yeah. of text. So um, there's yeah. all sorts of photographs. And I'd imagine maps. Yeah. So in the book, most photographs are taken by me. So when we were putting this book together, one of the things we realized was to put a book like this together costs a heck of a lot of money if it's in color print. If you're using photographs that you don't own and you have to pay for, it becomes so expensive, it's, it's, it's unrealistic. So I said to the publisher, and this is really quite fun, why don't you pay for me to fly to Israel? I will then travel around and take all the photographs that I need for the, the Holy Lands. And then why don't you pay for me to fly to Turkey <laughs> and I can then photograph uh, things we need for the epistles, book of revelation and they said yes because <laughs> uh, i said to them look you can you can own the photographs yeah. uh, in your storehouse that then you can use them on other books and i'm fine with that so that that was the deal we came up with so it's filled full of books they then looked at the maps and they kept coming to me going chris the, the maps are going to cost us quite a bit of money i was like look i can draw the maps that's not a problem and I, I, my first calling was to be an artist so i can draw the maps so the book is filled full of, of drawings from my notebooks and it's also filled full of photographs. And then we've got a sprinkling of pictures from elsewhere that we, we've then drawn in as well. But it, I would describe it very much as a picture book because you want to see these things. You, you want to you um, picture it. So one of the things in the book, I, I talk about the book, in, uh, the book of Exodus. The Ten Commandments are really misunderstood by Christians. The Ten Commandments were set out uh, in Scripture like something that was known as a Jewish ketubah. A ketubah was a, um, a marriage certificate that was set up by the couple getting married to say, this is how our marriage will work. The ketubah, and I talk in the book about the Ten Commandments are not rules and regulations. They're actually setting perimeters for how our marriage to God uh, will work out. So when it says you'll have no other gods before me, in the original Jewish ketubahs, it would say something like you'll have no other husbands or wives. It's just us in this marriage. And it would say, uh, you know, honour your father and mother. Well, in the original ketubahs, it would say, this is what your family does at Hanukkah. This is what my family does in Hanukkah. But we are going to honour our family's heritage. But this is what we're going to do. So once you realise that actually the Ten Commandments, uh, they're not a set of rules, but actually perimeters for how the marriage with God would work. It blows your mind. It changes the way you read it. So in the book, we've got a photograph of a ketubah that I own. So having the picture of a real-life ketubah alongside this explanation can really change then how you see that part of Scripture. So the book is filled full of these, let me tell you something cool, 
and here's a photograph to show what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what makes the book quite unique. It's not a traditional uh, Bible book that Lion yeah. might produce. It yeah. really is an exploration of... So can I give you another amazing yeah, yeah. example? Book of Job... Um, not Book of Job. Book of Joel. Uh, Jonah. I'm so sorry. Sorry of Jonah. Jonah gets thrown into a, the sea and he gets gobbled up by a whale or a big fish. Uh, that big fish takes him to the shore, coughs him out on the shore, and then he goes to the city of Nineveh to tell them they need to repent. When you go to Nineveh, or you could even go to the British Museum in London, you will see in both of those locations statues or carvings carvings of the the god that they worshipped during that time. During that time, they worshipped a god called Dagon. Dagon was depicted as half man, half fish. So it isn't interesting. They worshipped a fish god. And it's through a giant fish that God uses to take uh, his prophet uh, to this group of people to to speak and prophesy to them. Totally changes the way you see that story. It wasn't random that God chose a, a fish to to transport his prophet. Uh, it actually speaks directly into the location and the people of that time and that city. They would have been like, what's going on? You know, God has just spewed, the God Dagon has obviously just spewed this prophet up on our beach. Uh, well, actually, the beach was a long way away, but, you know, on the beach. Uh, they would have, the prophet would have then said, look, let me tell you about the God that really did this. It's not Dagon, it's Yahweh. So it totally can change the way you read scripture when you see it in location and perspective. So in the book, there's a picture of uh, a uh, carving of the God Dagon. Uh, and you'll find that carving in the British Museum. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. That's the Bible book by book. That sounds really fascinating, Chris. And you've got another one coming out as well. I don't know how yeah. you, you're very prolific. <laughs> another book coming out um, just this month in April, actually, um, yeah. called Restore, Renew, Rebuild. So yeah. so what's that one about? Is that like a Bible picture book as well? Or, or, or is it something completely different? Yeah, no, this is this is uh, completely different. So I've written this for uh, Spring Harvest, but actually, in reality, it's a, it's a book for the church, and uh, the, the subtitle of the book uh, is is kind of unpacks it a little bit. Uh, so the subtitle is "The Life of Nehemiah." and the mission of Jesus. So essentially in the book, explore the story of Nehemiah and how he went about rebuilding not just the walls of a city, uh, but the worship of Yahweh, how he rebuilt people's lives. And what we do is we look at the story of Nehemiah and we actually hold it up against the mission of Jesus Christ, the rebuilding of people's lives through the death and the resurrection. And this vision that we're given in in revelation of a new city that actually will have no walls uh, Mm. but will be a place where god's people can dwell uh, in god's presence so the book is is looking at how do we go about restoring renewing and rebuilding our lives but also the mission of the church and you know the pandemic has rocked our lives personally a lot of us are going to be dealing with PTSD for, for years. 
but also the church has been rocked. You know, church attendance has significantly been affected by the pandemic. Churches that are now struggling. But it gives us a moment. I'm not worried about churches closing because sometimes there's a time when a church, actually it's time for this church to close because something new might come out of it. My church was closing in 2010. It was going to be sold to become a mosque. But we actually pitched an idea to the bishop and said, look, let's not completely close it. And we had a congregation of seven and we came in and we've seen it restored, renewed and rebuilt. And it's now mm. a thriving church community. So the book is looking at our personal lives and how we might go about restoring them post-pandemic, but also how might we restore the mission of Jesus Christ in each neighborhood, uh, maybe killing off some of the religiosity actually finding a deeper relationship with Jesus and his mission and what he wants for us. So that yeah, the book is based around what you could say is three movements or three parts. The first being restore, our hearts being restored back to Jesus, maybe confession or coming back to what we really believe as Christians. Renew is about vision and how we might have a new vision for our lives, for our churches and then rebuild is what does this now look like for us mm. as we rebuild our lives? Mm. Sounds really good and a really timely book as well, I, th I believe, for, for this time as we kind of all emerging. We've kind of emerged out of lockdown, but there's still all sorts of restrictions in place. And, you know, that, those, yeah. are, those are falling away now as well. So, yes, yeah. a time to take stock, really, and to... Yeah. Yeah. To, to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves and, off. And, and let's yeah. be completely honest, so many of us have got bro so many broken dreams from the last few yeah. years. Uh, you know, let's just take an individual that, that were looking to get married and then found they could only have 20 people in their mm. wedding ceremony. Let's take the funeral of a loved one where you're told only 10 people can show up. Mm. This person's had a massive effect. Uh, you know, um, we lost a really good friend of ours, um, Denise. She was my Sunday school teacher growing up, and she was the first person to get me leading a uh, Sunday school and got me ministering and encouraged me to go to theological college. She passed away in the pandemic. Couldn't have more than 10 people at her mm. funeral. So life is just filled with disappointments, holidays that weren't taken, family that weren't visited. So we, we, we are filled full of these disappointments, and we've been living with this disappointment. And we do need to be honest about it. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I'm really disappointed that two birthdays that I've had have been spent at home with my kids and my wife and, and not seeing anybody else, you know, not seeing my parents. And my so you just have these low-level disappointments. But the problem is they mount up and all this low-level disappointment eventually, if undealt with, can become, you know, post-traumatic post stress, mm. can become depression mm. and anxiety, um, cynicism. You know, my wife said the other day, um, I'm, you know, we've got a holiday book for this summer. She said, I'm not getting excited about it because it might not happen. I said, what well, is mm. going to happen now? It's all over. She was like, you never know. You never know. Mm. So we're living with low-level cynicism. Uh, and so it's, it, if we're going to move forward now from this and through this, we're going to grow and we're going to rebuild our lives and rebuild our hopes, um, we actually have to approach it as, as something that we, we, we need to look at. We need to look at the rubble and uh, yeah. we need to ask ourselves what, what we're going to rebuild from where we're at rather than looking at what was, what we're going to yeah. rebuild now. And that's one of the cool things in the book. We talk about um, Nehemiah built backwards. 
So Nehemiah built the city of Jerusalem from blueprints that were created for what the city was originally like. But we do not do that. We don't build back to a golden era. There was no golden era. Our lives never have had a golden era. We build forwards. And through Jesus Christ, we see the rebuilding of a city that builds towards something new. Like Jesus's uh, teachings are towards a kingdom where God is present, towards a kingdom with no walls and no barriers. Uh, and we now get to do the same. We get to build forwards in light of the resurrection. So the question for us isn't what we're going to build backwards to what we once were, but actually what we're going to build forwards with. Who are we now going to choose to be in light of Jesus Christ and what mm. he's offering us going forwards? So I find that really one of the key things mm. in the book that I get really That's excited exciting. by. Yeah. We don't build back, we build forwards in light of the resurrection. Yeah, well, that's really good. I can't wait to read it. That's fantastic. Who are you, Chris? <laughs> I know it's a weird question to ask 20 minutes mm. in. Um, I think our, our, our listeners um, quite like to get a sneak peek um, behind the, 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 the author um, to see what, what life is like. I mean, are you a tea person or a coffee person? Do you like um, <laughs> indoors or outdoors? You know, what do you do for fun? I actually find it quite difficult answering that question to Christians. <laughs> Because they don't always like what they, they go, you what? Do you not spend 24 hours a day on your knees in prayer? Are you telling me that, you know, you don't have a life while you're reading the Bible every moment of the day? Um, I, 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 I'm not what many people, uh, a lot of people just don't get it. They don't get my life. They don't get what I do. So I love coffee. My life's centered around coffee. I love records. <laughs> I love listening to albums. Ooh, vinyl. Um, sorry? Vinyl records. Vinyl records, yeah. My, I grew yeah. up listening to vinyl. It's not hipster to me. It's it's just life. My mum and dad had um, the Rolling Stones, the, the Who, the Beatles. I've recently her inherited all my dad's first pressings from the oh, Beatles wow. albums. And I just, ad I just adore them. I love listening to music on, on a vinyl. It just feels somehow slower because I sit down in my living room and I, I listen to um, stuff in a particular chair right by by my record player. Uh, and it, it, it often is a, a, a Sabbath day thing for me. For Friday, I would be my Shabbat, my Sabbath day. And uh, I'd often, you know, Friday afternoons, maybe three o'clock, sit down and listen to some old Counting Crows album or R.E.M. or... Um, Beatles is has been something this last six months I've listened to Let It Be I don't know how many times um, so I love I love records but that's not what freaks people out what freaks people out is my big hobby is dressing up as a stormtrooper <laughs> uh, I love making stuff so I've made myself uh, six is it six I think it's six six different cos cosplay costumes Cosplay is, is the art of dressing up as a character. And, uh, you know, I go for screen accuracy. If you see one of my costumes, I want you to think I've walked straight off the, the movie screen. So I've got a Stormtrooper. I've got a Death Trooper, a Imperial Officer from Star Wars. I've got a Darth, I've locked down and built Darth Vader. And uh, I'm really pleased with that one. I've also got a Ghostbuster. I built a, a, a Ghostbusters proton pack and outfit from the 1984 movie. And I, I, go, I go to a great Almond Street hospital, visiting the kids on the wards uh, as, as Darth Vader, uh, go to charity events. So on, on Have a you day been on any of the sets? Day. 
of Star uh, Wars because they film some I, of it in the UK, don't they? You've you, you've just stabbed me in the heart, haven't you? <laughs> so last year, I got signed up to be a stormtrooper for a Star Wars TV show that was being filmed in West London, and it was a two-week booking. I cleared my diary. And then about 10 days before filming, they wrote, Lucasfilm wrote to us all and said, uh, actually, we've chosen to go in a different direction. You're not oh. And I was like, you are kidding me. To, to be able to say, hi, my name is Chris. And I was a stormtrooper in, would have just been the highlight, the highlight. Jesus, number one, being <laughs> a stormtrooper in a Star Wars TV show would have been my second big time. So I'm I living the hope that one day, um, one day <laughs> that might happen but um <laughs> i love that i love going to comic-con uh, mm. i go to every comic-con as as a character and I, I get to share my faith with the guys in what's called the garrison garrison of stormtroopers it's a military term um but i also use it i have a little youtube channel now where i make little videos telling people how to build costumes as well themselves this is this particular costume this is how i went about making it so you share that information with others so it's not secret mm. knowledge um so th th that is me and 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 i i do have a lady in my church she says to me i just don't get it chris i just don't get it i don't know why it's just weird the just weird that you might wear a helmet and 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 to you know for me being a church leader particularly being a church leader who's so involved with spring harvest it, it, it does feel like you're always on view. You go out somewhere mm. and you've got to always be thinking to yourself, there is somebody in the room right now that may well know you. You don't know them, but they know you and they'll notice how you speak, how you, they, how you talk to your wife, how you talk to your kids. They'll, they'll, you, know, they'll spot. So you feel like you're on view all the time. When I put my Stormtrooper helmet on, I just, it's like nobody knows who I am. I'm just a person. And what was really fun a couple of years ago, we were booked to go as stormtroopers to a wedding in North London. I turned up, I'm getting ready. And then somebody says, well, how does the wedding, how's the wedding going to work? And I said, well, let me just pop in and see whoever the Baptist minister is here and I'll see what they want us to do. And I went in and the guy, the Baptist minister was, was sweating. He was saying to me, so what are you here to do? And, um, I realized after a little while he was sweating because he, he comes to spring harvest. And he, he knew who I was. And he's going, so what are you doing in the service? I'm going, I'm just walking down the aisle. And he's, thinking, he's going, well, so-and-so's preaching and so-and-so's leading the prayers. And I'm doing that. So you can see him like thinking, why has Chris Rogers yeah. turned up? Does he think he's doing something? And I was like, no, no, I'm one of the stormtroopers and I'm, we're just going to walk it down the aisle. And he's going, what? <laughs> what? So I, but I loved it because I was, it, 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 it's not hiding, but it is somewhat just like, I can just relax. I don't need to try to be anything. It's saying that panics some people because they go, well, do you not want to be um, honouring to your family? Do you not want to be, you know, do you behave differently when you, no, I don't believe I behave any differently. But for me, there's just a moment of, oh, I'm not being seen. The right pressure's now. off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, some people find that odd, but um, I really love it. <laughs> oh, that's great, Chris. Um, how can people find out about you or get hold of your books or, or listen to your podcast? Have you got websites or, or ways that people can connect? 
Yeah, yeah just Google wearemakingdisciples.com. Uh, we, we run this uh, little discipleship website, and on there the podcast is, is there as well if you want to track it down. It, the podcast is also on all the normal uh, places. Um, on Instagram, uh, at Rabbi Rogers. I am on Twitter, but I just don't use it. Mm. Uh, but my Instagram is where I tend to post cups of coffee. <laughs> and uh stormtrooper storm helmet and yeah. and the odd sermon illustration or something like that but yeah the main place is checking out the podcast that is where each week mm. we explore something fun that's fantastic well thank you chris thank you for sharing this time with us and telling us about your new books and, and about your life as well it's been really fascinating and really great so thank you for ha- thank you for coming yeah, total pleasure. Thank you thank you for having me on the podcast. And thank you for listening. Thank you for the pleasure of your company in this last 28 minutes or so. And I do hope that you will join us again for the next version of Christian Book Blurb. Bye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share, and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.